dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond the million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com, presented by USCCExpo.com. We'll tell you more about that in a little bit. This week, we're going to talk about the performance of cannabis as a global market commodity. And my guest this week is the vice president of the leading creative agency and media network dedicated to legal cannabis, the vice president of Cannabis Financial Network, or CFN Media, Managing Partner of Expansion Strategy Partners, LLC, Mark Collins. Thanks for joining us on Blunt Business, Mark. My pleasure. Good to speak to you. Hey, my pleasure as well. It's a really great subject to go and talk about. And we're going to talk a lot of facts and figures, talk about the global market. So for those who are listening in today, get ready to hear a lot of facts and figures and learn about the certain state of the global construct of the cannabis industry we're going to touch all the continents basically except for antarctica but we'll touch all those markets today here on the show so first mark let's talk about the global legal marijuana market at this point according to a new report well, by, oh according to yeah. a, i'm going to just give a couple of uh, a little bit of context before i ask the question so According to a new report by Grandview Research, the global legal marijuana market is expected to reach $146.4 billion by the end of 2025. You hear that kind of number. Mark, how do you forecast the growth of cannabis on the global stage? Well, typically what we see is uh, a compound annual growth rate. So in other words, they take the current uh, market trajectory uh, and project that out uh, based on the the percentage growth. Then they add into that uh, all the different factors of which markets are legal uh, in terms of medical and which ones will be going legal in terms of recreational. So it's not a straight line projection. Um, it, it has a lot of different moving parts. But I think you can see uh, from that grand view uh, research that we're looking at a market projection that's roughly um, bigger than uh, coffee, certainly, but but roughly growing at the fastest consumer um, market in the world. So in other words, cannabis will eclipse coffee. It'll eclipse um, soda in terms of its absolute value. Because after all, what else can you pull out of the ground that costs $1,000 a pound? Exactly. Mark, we've spoken at length on here on Blunt Business with a number of Canadian companies, and we have talked about the whole process where Canadian companies that are not able to, with the supply and demand they have, with the amount of supply that they have, and that there's only so much demand that legislation or the, the regulating bodies in Canada will allow, whether it's the Control Board or Health Canada. So these Canadian companies are now fostering import-export relationships between countries in Europe Asia and Australia. So I'm basically been calling up the OPEC type system of cannabis import and export. So how do you see that move playing out to the global uh, construct from Canada? Well, I think Canada has become the center of excellence for, uh, you know, research for um, capital markets, certainly. And so 
you have a um, obviously a country that doesn't have the as as you just outlined the supply um, uh, opportunities that say a, a state like California has, but you have everything else. So you have a very sophisticated marketplace that's used to uh, dealing in commodity businesses. You know, Canada is famous for um, its minerals, famous for its uh, forests. So cannabis as a global business from Canada uh, is absolutely conforming to all of the success factors that have made Canada successful in many other uh, areas. So uh, Canada, Canada and the Canadians know that the Canadian market is relatively small uh, compared to the United States or European Union or the uh, Asian group of countries. So what they are able to do is to steal a march on the United States and even you know uh, other countries that are quite far ahead, like Israel, to become that center of excellence for the world. And you have businesses like Harvest One, for example, who are not focusing on cultivation, but entirely focusing on executing a brand, a global brand and global distribution strategy behind, for example, their product called Satafarm. Uh, Satafarm is uh, owned by Harvest One. It's manufactured in Switzerland and it's marketed from Dublin, Ireland. And it's the only clinically tested CBD product in the market uh, at the moment. So it's going from strength to strength. And that's just one example of Canadian companies that are stealing a march uh, on the rest of the world. And I can see why they're doing it with all the kind of money that was, first of all, last year, seeing the kind of mergers and acquisitions that were being made, billions and billions of dollars being swa- swapped around at any given time. And you're seeing a lot of companies that are definitely up to the forefront, Aurora, Canopy Growth, and others, definitely are the ones to name. And just seeing what they're doing right now, just talking to some of these companies and the resources, the facilities, the manpower, and the work they're doing right now with the basically the fact that they might have certain regulations in play, but also the quality control that there is something to be said about where Canadian cannabis is going to be such a standard. And I'm wondering as soon as the United States, whenever legalization comes into play, you know, will Canada already have themselves so established that the United States can't get themselves that well involved in the import export process. Now let me move on to another point here. More consumption of legal cannabis in the developed market is expected to largely drive the global medical cannabis market from 2019 to 2024. That's according to a new report issued by Research and Markets. The report details the trend that the trend of producing edible products with cannabis will continue to gain momentum. So what factors do you think are playing into that, Mark? Well, largely the uh, the factors that are playing into it are are the legislation that that's quite ad hoc around the world. In other words, there are certain countries that have uh, permitted medical, certain that have permitted uh, recreational. Uh, most notably, you know, in, in the European Union, uh, the Netherlands or Holland and uh, Portugal. Um, so they're uh, you know, becoming uh, areas of expertise. But then you have huge economies like Germany, which is about the same size as California in terms of uh, market opportunity. They have uh, permitted medical, um, and medical is now, uh, you know, medical use of cannabis 
and, and medical is growing exponentially too. So it's not, um, you know, having worked in the coffee industry where, you know, obviously coffee is perfectly legal, uh, this is not, um, a, a, you know, a, an easy market to project globally. Uh, I often say that, you know, cannabis isn't um, business as usual, it's business unusual. So many factors have to come into play to be able to gauge which market is about to go for legalization and, and which isn't. There's also a lot of legacy issues too. For example, in uh, a country like, um, you know, France, uh, there had been um, a lot of, um, you know, gang uh, warfare, uh, which was built on the sale of cannabis. So their concern, for example, in France, less about the, uh, you know, the, the stigma of cannabis, but more about the, um, you know, the violence that, that, that accompanies it. So, so there's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of moving parts uh, to, to the answer. But ultimately, I would say that uh, because of cannabis's benign benefits and how we all have an endocannabinoid system, it's absolutely uh, inevitable uh, that we'll see the end of prohibition in one way or the other, but it will be, you know, in stops and starts, like it has been in the United States. We're here with Mark Collins, the Vice President of Cannabis Financial Network and the Managing Partner of Expansion Strategy Partners here on Blunt Business, here on CannabisRadio.com. We're going to be back with more questions to talk to Mark about the global cannabis market. We'll learn more about Canada. We'll talk about Africa. We'll talk about Asia and other markets, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But first, I got to talk to you about, I said USCC Expo, right? Well, what is that? Let me spell out that acronym for you. The United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. It is your right to educate, empower, and engage the evolution of the cannabis industry because at our shows, you will be able to join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th at our next event in Miami, Florida, for the return of the USCC Expo, you can learn more on how to attend at usccexpo.com. Again, it's the 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo coming August 3rd and 4th inside the Hyatt Regency Hotel in downtown Miami. We will have great events once again to go ahead and feature all of you. Nighttime networking will have several tracks to go ahead and bring you forward sessions, educational uh, features and so much more. A lot of great speakers being put out. We're going to be announcing those very soon. And you still have a chance to get early bird registration, 50% off the regular price. You can do that between now and May 1st. You should go register now. I see people as we speak. I can look at the back end of, our, of all the things going on with USCC Expo, and I see some of you great listeners that are already registering right now for the USCC Expo. You have bought your earlier passes. I recommend you tell others to do so before they sell out. Before May 1st, early bird, half the cost. Going out to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. More after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Cannabis industry professionals, want to gain some new leads? Make genuine business connections and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. 
now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Mark Collins, the Vice President of Cannabis Financial Network and Managing Partner of Expansion Strategy Partners. So we were just been talking about the global legal marijuana market, the Canada and their import-export work, and also uh, the consumption of legal cannabis as to, pose, as to how the global medical cannabis market will play out. So let me paraphrase a press release, Mark, from Financial News Media. So they put out this prediction. Assuming a blue sky scenario in which the U.S., and all 28 countries in the EU, EU, European Union, legalized marijuana for both recreational and medical use, hypothetically, and in which Latin America allows the medical use of cannabis. They still think the revenue leader of the global cannabis market, when all is said and done, will eventually be the Canadian medical and recreational markets. If that hypothetical scenario happens, rhetorically, do you think that claim is conclusive? Well, again, um, it... uh, from where we are right now, that seems to make a lot of sense. Having said that, there are, you know, countries uh, around the world that could potentially disrupt um, uh, that current status quo, where Canada is the center of excellence for cannabis globally. Um, I think also when you look at um, uh, the the mass market or the non-cannabis market, you could you could argue that uh, Canada is very strong in um, say the oil industry, in the natural mineral resource industry, in the timber uh, production industries. But each of those are um, limited to the simple size of, of, of a country like Canada. Uh, you know, most of um, you know, the, the, the same GDP that California has, Canada has. So if you had a country like Germany, for example, who have um, an incredible uh, uh, global manufacturing and supply chain reach adopting uh, cannabis as an export uh, market, well, they'll dominate, uh, Germany would dominate Canada and dominate uh, other markets as they have done in various sectors like engineering or um, you know, premium car sectors. So uh, I would tend to agree with the research um, at the moment, it, look, you know, if we had to uh, pick any uh, country that is going to be um, a leader, it would be Canada. But there are other factors that could come into play that, that are hard to predict. Uh, even a country like China, if China fully legalized uh, cannabis, well, you know, we, we, we would be, um, that would be the center of gravity of the, of the global cannabis market simply because you know, uh, like any uh, crop or commodity market, 
you know, wherever that commodity market is uh, driving the most revenue, uh, you, you, it attracts the most um, capital investment. So it could be, you know, uh, things could change, but definitely at the moment now, I'd say Canada is the center of excellence for, for, for the global business, but we'll have to wait and see whether that will be the case one, two, three years out. And that's why we've been focusing so much on Canadian companies that are doing so much work. And so congratulations, Canada, you know, even with legalization on board and with all the obstacles, a lot of smart, smart executives and a lot of good companies out there doing really yeoman's work to really set things up for the global cannabis market. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to put out a lot of information here for you, Mark, and I want to just, you know, really, our researchers here at Blunt Business did a lot of work in getting the information out there about what the cannabis market looks like throughout the world. So let's start globetrotting, shall we? We'll start with Africa. Let me lay out some context for all of you, and I'll ask you something about this, Mark. So Africa has a long history of growing and consuming cannabis. In most countries on the continent, the plant is illegal, although it remains widely cultivated and consumed according to prohibition partners. The United Nations estimates that more than 38,000 tons of cannabis are produced across Africa each year, resulting in a black market that's worth billions of dollars. Out of 54 countries on the African continent, only three, Lesotho, South Africa, and Zimbabwe, permit medical use. While Zambia has legislation allowing medical marijuana that has not yet been enacted. So no African countries have clear legislation allowing recreational use. In South Africa, recreational use is illegal, but cannabis was decriminalized for private cultivation and consumption. But the good news is... Africa has the potential to become an enormous cannabis market due to large population and favorable climate that makes growing cannabis easier than in neighboring Europe. A new report by Prohibition Partners suggests that by 2023, and four years from now, the African cannabis market could reach up to $7 billion. What have you been learning about Africa so far? Well, it's uh, Africa has a pretty benign attitude towards cannabis um, for the reasons you outlined, it's been uh, grown there for millennia and it's used as a um, home medicine. So when, when I've, uh, and I've had the uh, ability to travel to Africa, I've been very lucky to be able to go to countries in the East and West uh, Africa and South Africa, as well as the North African states. And even in countries like Egypt, which is... Um, you know, a, a Muslim country right. where, you know, predominantly Muslim country where uh, within that religion, they, they try to <laughs> avoid intoxicants. Wow. Um, yeah. It's, it's neither. Uh, I, I was there and I could smell the, that wonderful pungent odor of cannabis. <laughs> and uh, I asked somebody in, uh, when I was in Cairo, uh, isn't, isn't this, uh, you know, isn't cannabis illegal? And they said, well, you know, it's illegal, but it's not, um, you know, it's not enforced. So on the one hand, um, and, and this applies to most of, of, of Northern uh, Africa too, Algeria, Morocco. I mean, Morocco supplies, uh, you know, tons of hashish to uh, markets like uh, France and, and Germany because hashish is much easier to, uh, you know, to, to, to travel, if you like, because it's, it, 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 it's pressed into blocks and those blocks are, hidden in the compartments of trucks or uh, uh, boats that, that sail off to, to, to Europe. So 
I think that the you know the the paradox is that while it is um, definitely illegal, um, it's on the other hand not enforced, and therefore it's not quite um, it's in a limbo land. It's not illegal and it's not legal. But on the other hand, if you look at uh, the West Africa countries, um, they have uh, they they were kind of dependent on their colonial um, on the colonial powers. And so they've adopted a lot of the global strictures, particularly the UN, you know, edicts on, uh, you know, the, the, the banning of cannabis, but they only enforce them half-heartedly. So um, again, I've had the, the pleasure to go to countries like uh, Gambia and the Ivory Coast, again, working in the coffee industry. These are coffee, uh, coffee countries um, and also chocolate countries. And, you know, like, like anywhere in the world, these are just normal humans with endocannabinoid systems. So they enjoy and they benefit from the benign and, and even the, the, all the different multifacets of, of cannabis. They even say that, it, you know, cannabis is used as a, um, what's called a poultice. So they, they, they take the cannabis root and if they have a sprained um, ankle in the Gambia, they would put this um, poultice on the sprain to oh. to relieve some of the the pain that that sprain sprained ankle or whatever would happen. So it's it's very much um, uh, a mixed bag too. If you have if you have a, a like South Africa for example, which is a very modernized economy, right. or even Nigeria, which is also a very modernized economy, you'll find the you know the smell of cannabis smoke pretty much everywhere. Um, and you'll find that it's tolerated. And in some cases, as I said, it's used as a home medicine. Interesting. Now let's go and take a little jet setting over to Latin America, which faces many challenges as well, particularly on the regulatory front. Let me give you some context there. While Uruguay was the first country in the world to fully legalize cannabis in 2014, not that long ago, Colombia is the only other country in the region where weed is fully legal. While other countries... All countries in the region, with the exception of Panama, have legalized medical marijuana. Recreational use remains illegal in the majority of countries. In five of 11 Latin American countries, industrial cannabis is illegal. Another barrier for the market, Colombia is the only country that allows the export of marijuana, although it's likely other countries could soon fall with legislation that opens the region to more cannabis production. Allowing more cannabis exports could open producers to more foreign investment. The tough economic situation faced by Brazil, Argentina, and other countries makes it difficult for entrepreneurs to access capital. Now, the good news there is that facility construction costs in Latin America are 80% lower than in North America and Europe. That's according to Prohibition Partners. More than 40 licensed operators, producers actually are operating in Latin America. Colombia alone has issued over 140 licenses for the cultivation of marijuana. And Prohibition Partners also details that the Latin American cannabis market could reach a value of $12 billion within the next decade. So what about Latin America? What does that look like? I mean, obviously, if things kind of open up for export, another great place to invest. Well, I couldn't agree more. When you look at Colombia, uh, they could potentially supply North America markets more effectively than uh, even some of the cultivators in, in, in Canada and California. And I say that because, you know, we don't buy any 
uh, indoor grown bananas from, you know, uh, <laughs> California. We, we, we get them from uh, the equatorial countries. Yep. So it makes a great deal of sense to expect that Colombia will become a, a big supplier. You know, again, I, I use my experience in the coffee industry. You know, uh, Colombia is one of the, the, the producers of the, the best coffee in the world. And no other, uh, you know, Vietnam too, um, all along the equatorial belt, uh, that uh, these, these are, these are uh, uh, countries with a great microclimate, with, with great agricultural uh, science, technology, uh, with, with an incredible uh, existing supply chain and support network to the Western world and to the Northern Hemisphere. So I think Colombia will be that center of excellence for uh, uh, Latin America. And indeed, um, it, it's, it, you know, they've stolen a march in the rest of South America. You know, you'd expect a country like Brazil would, would take advantage of the, um, the, the ultimate end of prohibition. But no, it's a, it's a, it's countries like Colombia and Uruguay, who who are racing ahead, and in fact, there's there, there's several conferences um, uh, this year in Colombia, where you know industry stalwarts like Steve D'Angelo and Bruce Linton um, are, are will be speaking. Amazing, yeah, and, and there should be more going on here, and uh, you know, I, I hopefully even with our USCC Expo coming in the Miami, hopefully we can get more of that inflection from the Latin American market just because uh, you know the Americas uh, together when you see what Canada's doing and what you can see with Latin America was such a major market as well and another great climate for all this production and cultivation of cannabis it's a, also a no-brainer now let me go and wrap up our globe trotting here one more we're going to also do Asia Pacific but let's do Europe next so not so much a context I'm just going to basically say that only a number of European nations including Germany Italy, Portugal, Denmark, Switzerland, Croatia, and the Netherlands have legalized medical cannabis to varying degrees. The drug still remains illegal, albeit criminalized in most of the European Union. So about the European cannabis market, they're not, is the EU just too much in control to allow such a cash crop to be prominent here, or, or are they just going to rely on letting the import-export from places like Canada, or maybe the U.S. someday, that's really where things are going to go, not so much growing it within. Yeah, I think I think the European Union. Um, there's there that you know it's a bureaucracy, right? It's yeah. um, 28 you know uh, independent you know countries who have to uh, who've agreed uh, in the various treaties that form the European Union to work together. So that means that you have uh, 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 a, a bureaucracy that's quite slow, but already um, you have uh, massive growth of CBD. Uh, in, in Europe, which is not legal, not illegal, it's sort of unregulated. Right. Um, they have, uh, you know, that that CBD alone is 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 driving awareness of the need for legislation and and the need for light regulation of of the industry, um, because of course you know CBD is also um, you know from either from hemp or from um, you know uh, marijuana. So, so, so that's the CBD is the coach and horses that is driving the change in, in, in Europe ultimately, um, because of course you know um, a lot of countries provided that in, in the European Union provided that it's less than two percent THC uh, permit um, per, permit the consumption of, of um, 
cannabis-derived products. Uh, countries like Italy, you have permission to grow your own at home, grow your own plants at home. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously people are not only growing the, the, the cannabis plants, but they're smoking them too. Um, you have very um, uh, smart-minded com- uh, countries like Portugal who completely legalized any kind of drugs. And you see wow. that as a case study where after legalization of any kind of drugs in Portugal, crime rates dropped, addiction rates dropped. Um, there was only benefits to the, to the economy. There was less policing, less incarceration, etc. So Portugal is yeah, Portugal is a is a lighthouse for the rest of Europe. It's a case study in how to do it the right way. So uh, I, I'm encouraged by uh, what I see in Europe, but it hasn't quite reached that critical mass, that tipping point where you know legalization is happening. But unlike in America, where it's been in you know stops and starts. Uh, when it happens in Europe, it'll happen unilaterally across the 28 countries. And that, and that will be a, a beautiful thing to see. Mark, I'm blown away by that. I didn't even know that there was full legalization of any kind of substances like that in Portugal. And the fact is, like you said, that the crime rates are down. I'm like, it's a libertarian, like, you know, euphoria, like utopia. <laughs> Basically, I know that's what they talk about. And I I would support that as well. And if Portugal can be such a test subject, I'm, I'm so surprised that that's just, with all the things that are going on, the, the rest of the world just can't kind of follow suit. At least in some cases, there are some countries that should be able to go ahead and follow suit like that. Now, let's go ahead and go to Asia Pacific, which obviously another great market, but interesting on a couple of things I learned about that from a report from Zion Market Research. The Asian Pacific medical marijuana packaging market is expected to provide significant opportunities in the global market owing to the growing acceptance of medical marijuana in the Southeast Asian nations. So South Korea, Thailand was the first country to legalize the use of medical marijuana. Is it safe to say that the Asian markets are an area to wait and see what happens? Yeah, I think so. When when I look at, um, you know, when I look at the the all the different um, activities that are happening in the cannabis market. You have um, one, one of the big categories, of course, in, in cannabis is the vape uh, vaping market. Now, every single vape pen is made in Shenzhen in China, oh, and okay. uh, you know all the all the batteries are, are made there, and the, and even the cartridges would, are, are made there. So, um, what you're seeing is that you know because uh, China is sort of, it's, it, it's communist in name only, but it's, it's very capitalistic. You, right. you see that, you know, businesses and business people and Chinese people, they follow the money. So when, when, when China um, uh, does uh, recognize what's already happening and does legislate and does sort of accept that, you know, there's, there's millions and millions of vape pens being made in their country for cannabis use <laughs> instead of pretending it's not. Right. I think that legislation again will happen. And, and because it's a communist um, state with a command and control uh, governmental structure, once they command that cannabis is legal, it's, it's legal and there's no more, uh, you know, no, no more question about it. And I think, you know, like, like other you know, former, you know, obviously China is, um, uh, you know, the second largest economy in the world. But when, 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 a, when an economy that size adopts cannabis, which inevitably will, because right. again, 
they are people just like us with endocannabinoid systems, it will be a, a it will affect the entire Asiatic region. Um, but already, you know, you have a lot of influence from you know, there's Australia, which is arguably part of the the, the Asian bloc. They have um, made great uh, steps forward in terms of um, bringing forward legislation for legalization, and you know. If you like, Australia is the interpreter of Western values for Asia. It has, um, it's often been what's adopted in, in Australia, whether it's food and safety or, um, you know, deregulation of industries, that's adopted to by, by you know, Asiatic um, uh, countries. And I think also if you look at um, the history, uh, the Asian history of cannabis, it's again part of the you know, part of the, 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 the DNA of Asia. Cannabis was used um, for, for medical reasons, you know, thousands of years ago. So it's very natural for it to be readopted. But, but specifically, you know, just to echo your points, it's definitely the case that Thailand is um, moving ahead. I, I know of three or four um, uh, companies, uh, Thai companies, who have um, explicit permission from the Thai government to develop, um, you know, research and um, you know uh, medical programs that use cannabis. And again, you know, having had the pleasure of working in the coffee industry before the pleasure of working in the cannabis industry, <laughs> I, I found it was very interesting that you know, um, y- if you go to you know Bangkok or Koh Samui or Koh Phangan, you'll you'll find some amazing um, and, and and very very nice. Um, Thai weed, which is uh, also uh, uh, famous around the world. Uh, you know, even in America, they used to, you know, uh, have what was called Thai sticks, which was like the creme de la creme of, of, of cannabis. So um, I really do think that um, there will be a tipping point and it will come not uh, gradually, but it'll come in a, in a large, you know, thunderclap uh, when, when, you know, big economies like China and indeed Japan too, uh, come online, you know, and I know you've already mentioned the coffee industry several times, and I haven't. And it's unfortunate I haven't had a chance to even talk about your experience, Procter and Gamble, CNN, your coffee industry for nine years within the Netherlands when it came to Strauss Group and Jacobs Dudway Egberts. And I'm just saying, and these are the same people that offer in-house coffee systems like the Cure Green Mountain, Senseo, Cerista, Tassimo, well-rounded within all that you've done. And obviously, you have really racked up a lot of frequent flyer miles, my friend. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very impressed. And I'll tell you, there's so much more to ask you. And unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time. And I only have just a couple more questions I could sneak in here before we have to go and wrap things up. But uh, we definitely have to keep talking more about this. What a great conversation on the global cannabis market here with Mark Collins, Vice President of Cannabis Financial Network and Managing Partner of Expansion Strategy Partners. Back with final questions after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? 
Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Michael, final questions here with Mark Collins from Cannabis Financial Network and Expansion Strategy Partners. So let's go ahead and talk about the U.S. of A. Legalization in the U.S.A. is what the world is waiting on. And, of course, regulators, we can talk for days as, you know, they're just shuffling around. The 2020 presidential candidates are all talking about it. But, you know, look, on the, look, look at what the bottom line would be if it, legalization became a deal. Legal cannabis became a $12 billion global market in 2018 with only so many states that are allowing it so far. Well, I think it's seven or eight states, and it would reach $166 billion by 2025 based on estimates by global market research company Euromonitor International. The global cannabis market right now, both legal and illicit, stands at $150 billion today. That's according to a new white paper by Euromonitor. By 2025, legal cannabis would represent 77% of the global market. Now, do you think there's a definite reality for the U.S.? Do you think policymakers are finally feeling the pressure? When they hear those numbers, obviously lobbyists are out there. The, the people that want to put money into investments and in, they don't want to do it towards traditional sources. They know cannabis is a cash crop. It's going to make tremendous money here. So many corporations are trying to get involved now. Are they getting the pressure to legalize this? Is it going to happen, do you think? And, I mean, sooner than later? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, we're, we're you know, America's, you know, the, the, the greatest um, economy that the world has ever known. And, you know, historical uh, precedents don't exist for the size of the American uh, market. And as a capitalist market, um, you know, that, that principle of follow the money uh, very much applies. And when you have, um, you know, uh, pressure from, uh, the current, say, administration to, uh, you know, cut back on on domestic programs, to cut back on investing. For example, the Trump administration have canceled the high-speed rail line in, in uh, California that was federally funded, and other federal programs which are being scaled back or cut back 
because of the you know Republican orthodoxy or policy of smaller government. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the states who depended on that federal income now have to turn to other forms of income, uh, and and because Americans hate taxation, uh, uh, you know, income taxation, they they prefer to have you know um, value added taxation, and cannabis is is the obvious choice, um, and and it, it's. Uh, unfortunately, because of the limiting federal legislation, you have all this ad hoc overregulation and, you know, uh, what I call stopping and starting um, uh, of the market. And in that context, I think that um, it will continue as it's continuing. For example, uh, you know, New Jersey is was nearly there, but it, then it, it it was about to sort yeah. of pass, and then it fell back. So. I think um, prohibition um, will either be ended in in two ways by you know the federal um, congressional and, and Senate and and White House approval, or by this sort of organic state uh, um, you know end of prohibition that's happening in ten states, right? Ten ten states now, and thirty two uh, states are are, are medical. Um, so it, it's happening. I, and again, I don't think. You know, cannabis is, is illegality is still being enforced, which is such a shame. You know, the foolishness of prohibition is all around us. There's still massive incarceration rates, often of um, you know some of our underprivileged communities, um, because you know of of foolish laws. But all that is 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 changing. You know, and again, you know, back to your original point too. Canada leads the way. Not only is Canada decriminalizing marijuana, but they're doing it retroactively. And and that will become a blueprint, and uh, for for you know, the not only the end of prohibition, but the decriminalization and the retroactive decriminalization uh, of of cannabis of nonviolent drug offenses. And there's a lot of obviously, even though true full legalization is still in the horizon, whenever that's going to be, there are still things that are happening. Criminal justice reform, the Safe Banking Act, as we record this, just a couple of days ago, was passed within the. Uh, yeah within the house. So there are certain things that are finally coming aboard. So financial possibilities now for, for institutions now to work with cannabis companies and for those that have been uh, improperly prosecuted and arrested are getting a chance at a second chance. And even in some of the the legalization that's being made now, we were talking to someone that was in Massachusetts about in within the medical marijuana legislation, the vote for it, that, Offenders would get a chance to have a second chance to work within and be employed by the cannabis industry. So there are things, certain progress is being made, but more, not more than enough. And obviously, that's there's a lot that has to be done within. But at least let's talk about what you're doing at CFM Media, because obviously so much is being done. I mean, we haven't even had a chance to go through a sliver of what you're doing. But let me just give a little bit of context here. So you connect cannabis companies to investors. And accredited investors have been doing it since 2013. Clients you've included have been MedMen, Cannabis Growth, Green Dutch Organics, Cardiol, really some the, some of the companies that are just prominently known. And you offer digital media distribution. You offer so many different ways of media, breaking news, exclusive content. Uh, give us a little swath of what you're doing right now. And uh, for those that have been listening to this show today, learning about the global cannabis market, Hopefully there's some investors. I don't see why aren't there any investors that are listening right now and saying, man, I got to work with CFN Media because this is a company that actually can help me out and tap into all these markets. So 
take a minute here, Mark, talk to the listeners here and tell them about what you guys at CFN Media can do and what you offer. Yeah, so uh, Cannabis Financial Network is kind of like a CNBC um, or, or Bloomberg of, of the cannabis industry and um, started, um, as you said, in 2013. It's built up um, quite a, quite a uh, big following of investors across North America mainly. These are both institutional and retail investors. Um, so we have about half a million subscribers um, to uh, Cannabis FN, and I encourage any of your uh, listeners too to, to subscribe by going to CannabisFN.com and just putting in your email. Because what, what's interesting about um, what we do is that we uh, produce um, a broadcast to our own uh, network, essentially, but also it's picked up by other networks too. Uh, and, and we also generate leads for clients, um, for those uh, subscribers that want to opt in to follow a certain story. So um, what, one of the things that we, we, we sort of have done very successfully is we've worked with um, the Canadian stock exchanges like the TSX or the CSE, uh, where we have a sort of preferred supplier status to help uh, companies promote their um, uh, stock offerings. So we have various programs. We have what we call the Digital Roadshow, which is simply for those companies who are raising capital. Then we have a pre-public um, or pre-IPO program. And within each of those programs, um, we focus on um, raising awareness, building audiences and excitement around a, a, a certain, uh, uh, you know, a certain company's um, uh, business to investors. So about 80% of our, our, our um, coverage is pure editorial, uh, but about 20% of it is what we call featured companies. And so when we feature a company, we, we, we help, um, and we don't feature any old company. We, don't, uh, we, we try to make sure that it's, they're on topic and they're good for our um, investor subscribers. But in the case of, say, Cardiol, they hired us um, you know, in, in December before they listed on the TSX, and we were able to just simply raise awareness of what they were doing um, through a steady drumbeat of original articles. And then at the end of that, um, when they did list, well, there was awareness of what they were doing amongst investors. And, and I know that sounds very obvious because in the one, you know, companies always promote their consumer-facing brand, but very few companies um, promote their financial markets-facing side of their brand as effectively. Now, MedMen have a big team of uh, investor relations, public relations people, um, because MedMen know in order to scale, they need a lot of capital. They need capital at scale. So that's why they promote their, uh, uh, you know, what they do on Cannabis FN and other companies like Canopy Growth uh, Plus uh, have all used uh, Cannabis FN in the past. And also, um, it, 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 it helps us to work with companies like that because we get exclusive content. We get, you know, we have uh, a huge video library that I'd encourage your listeners to, 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 to go into whenever they like. And you could literally uh, uh, add in, uh, in the search bar, any information that you want on a certain company, you could put in say, um, you know, canopy growth, or you could put in canopy, uh, uh, rivers or uh, you'll find some video content there that will help you as an investor to understand right. a bit more about the company. So there's a whole lot to go and take a look at. CFNmedia.com is where you need to go. 
And obviously, to learn more about you and all the things that you do in terms of for investors, case studies of successful capital raises, there's just so much to we got to tap into more, Mark. We definitely have to have you back here on Blunt Business, and uh, there's just so much more to talk about because this is a this is an important subject I wanted to talk about because I think whenever we talks about just within here, you know, I like to have a world view perspective on a lot of different things. And I think when it looks at this cannabis market, and I think some people might have been blown away by all the information we learned about here today. And I hope some of you go back and listen to the show again, take some notes and just say to yourself, okay, where can we, you know, best invest what we're doing right now? What, where can we need to put our resources? Where are there markets for us to go ahead and uh, put our mark in and grow from? So again, uh, Mark Collins, the vice president of Cannabis Financial Network, managing partner of Expansion Strategy Partners. Again, thank you so much for all your knowledge that you've brought to us here on Blunt Business, and we we want to welcome you back very soon. It was my pleasure to be on Blunt Business. It's a great show. I, I'm a, I'm also a fan. Ah, thank you so much. I'm glad you get to listen. We put a lot of work into it every week. And we thank all of you for listening to us here on Blunt Business. And, of course, it's presented by the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, be a part of our sponsorship program. It's a wonderful opportunity for to position you and your company as an industry leader to an audience that will listen and engage. We're talking about thousands of attendees. You have a chance to invest in your future, leave a lasting impression. It's August 3rd and 4th, Miami, Florida, for our returning conference series. That's the next time you can catch us. Go to usccexpo.com slash sponsorship dash information and talk to the USCC Expo team online to find out the best option for you. Again, the USCC Expo is coming up August 3rd and 4th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Reserve your early bird passes now at usccexpo.com, usccexpo.com. Thanks for joining us. You can download past episodes of the show. You can go to cannabisradio.com, where we're always here, or you can subscribe to the show on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.